Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, Budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here alongside me, my partner on the airways. It is Sarah Jones. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Well, hello, Nino. I am doing well today. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Um, just things are good. Things are good. Yeah. yeah. The weather's like picking up. I feel like, you know, these when as of our recording time, like 73, 75 degree days, man, that's we we had to take a trip to Colorado for something and it was like negative 13 let me tell you, I left that for a reason. So give me these 73, 75 degree days all day long. I will take them. They're beautiful. Yep. Yep. It is nice that the weather is finally breaking again. And that, uh, although we do experience at least two, maybe three seasons in a single day, right? The, the <laughs> early morning, still kind of winter out, uh, midday it's, it's kind of spring weather. And then, uh, by like three o'clock it's like summer like it's really really mm-hmm. nice. we went on a motorcycle ride of um a week ago and you know when we left in the morning it was chilly so we were like bundled up because you know let's just be honest 50 degrees and it, it, it's cold 50 degrees for me is cold uh, i know i'm gonna get some criticism people are gonna send in some some hate mail for me saying that but it's um 50 degrees is a little chilly, so I was completely bundled up. But, boy, by the afternoon, you know, it hits 75. It's It doesn't get much better than that. So, loving the weather. Right. Yep. Yep. If, if you are in or around Arizona, you know that you just got to dress in layers because, like I said, you're going to experience those different seasons. So, you're bundled up in the morning, and then, you know, by afternoon, it's short sleeve shirts and, and all of that stuff. So... Very cool. Um, well, it sounds like you're, um, you and your husband are still exploring Arizona and having adventures all around the state. Um, any any updates on that front? You know, one thing that um, yes and no. Let me just say yes and no. Um, you know, this might go in a little bit different direction for a second here, but you know. As the start of the year, I come up with a word of the year to help kind of guide me throughout the year, and I kind of reflect on that. Mm. My word this year is curiosity. And so I think of how can I apply that in my life? And we've got some neighbors here where where we are at in the RV resort. And when we came the first part of um, November, so at the time of us recording, we've been here what, three, three and a half months now, um, and I still hadn't met our neighbors and I thought, you know what? Why? I, we're living right next to these people. And so they were outside uh, yesterday, startled them. But, um, you know, I just encourage our readers that, you know, sometimes be curious about things. You know, it turns out that we've got a lot in common with these neighbors. And I can see us actually becoming friends. We've got a lot of things in common. We we speak a lot of the same language. They've been full-timers for seven years now. So I know I can learn a lot from their experience, right? And so um, I just want to put out there that 
be curious. Maybe today is the day that, that you get a little curious and just get out there. And maybe you have a conversation with somebody that you haven't had one before, or maybe it's been a while. So, um, and I want to get too sappy, but sometimes I think that our hearts need to be healed. And especially, you know, with this country, with a lot of things happening, sometimes just being curious and, and getting to know people and their stories can, can bring a lot of perspective into our lives and we can learn a lot from other people. So there's my little Ted talk for the day. <laughs> and I appreciate it. I agree. Uh, we don't usually get uh, too political on this, but I think this is right down the middle. And that is, um, I don't think this country is as divided as everybody or as the media would mm -hmm. like you to believe it is. I believe that when people just sit down and break bread together, they find out and realize that they have far more in common than they do uh, differences. And even in those differences, when they really explore them, they, they we usually tend to find out that we think the, the problem is the same. We all kind of agree like, oh, yeah, that's a problem and that's a problem. Where we usually differ is how we think that problem might be best solved. Um, and, and, but, but we're both like, if we can all agree that that is the problem and the only difference we have is a difference of opinion on what the solution is, we're not as divided as, as some people would like us to think we are. Right. I agree. I agree. And I think it's just, we need to get, I believe that for me, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I need to get out there and be more curious with people, right. And learn their mm -hmm. stories and who they are. And because I've got a lot to learn from other people. So I'll just, I'll, I'll leave my, my portion to that. <laughs> and I agree. I think that we, we certainly can learn a lot. Um, I did not pay you to team me up with this segue, but I will say <laughs> what we're going to talk about today actually has a lot to do with me just spending years and years uh, now coaching all sorts of different individuals and couples and families Um I've gained so much perspective on um, different things. You know, when I first started financial coaching, I was uh, very prescriptive. It was, you need to do this, and then you need to do this, and then you need to do this. And if you follow this very prescriptive plan, then you will find success. And that worked for maybe the first couple of meetings with, clients and then you start to realize wait a minute they have a really big story here a story that mm. the more i learn about the more it influences you know um even my my perspective as kind of their advisor in that moment and so what we want to talk about today is these huge financial decisions and their impact on life decisions mm. and like to kind of at least frame it up and, and let people know where we're going. What, like, you know, what are you talking about? And so sometimes we make what seemingly seems like these insignificant life decisions that have a huge financial impact. Now, what am I talking about? Let me give you a, cu a couple of examples. Where you end up going to college may seem from like a life perspective like it doesn't much matter unless like i want to be a lawyer i got to go here there but it has a huge financial impact um and there are a couple of others that i want to share and, and talk about but 
Sarah, you know what I'm talking about. Like these life decisions, they have financial repercussions. They do. Um, and, you know, and, and I've been through, you know, since you brought up the, you know, maybe in-state and out-of-state college, you know, let's, let's talk about this for just a second, if you don't mind, because I've been through this now with two kids and um, both of my children chose to go to college out-of-state. Um, and, you know, we had different conversations with them. You know, what are the impacts? And, you know, because we talk a lot about money here, um, you know, the money conversation definitely came into play with both the kids. You know, how how is college getting paid for? Have you looked at, are there other opportunities? Can you go in-state versus out-of-state? And, you know, I will say, you know, because I talk so much on values and everything with money, that our conversation didn't focus on money. It was a piece of it. And I think that it's really important for people to look at all aspects of it. Um, and, and how it does impact your life for my son. Um, you know, he chose to go out of state, but it was in a neighboring state and they had a special program, um, for out of state students where out of state tuition really wasn't that much more than in state would have been. And he got some additional scholarships. So his, um, fees weren't, they were about the same had he stayed in state, but it was important for him to get away from home. So I think mm. it's about really digging down and looking at all of your numbers and then being really aware, okay, now how am I going to make this happen, right? If I can get scholarships, if I can get grants. Um, um, you know, for my daughter, um, being home, and, and I'm just going to say it was toxic. She really needed to get away from people. Um, and she was in more of a specialized program and her grades, um, such as they were that to go for her to go to like a community college, um, it wouldn't have been possible. They didn't offer the classes that she needed because she tested out of all of them. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> but it would have been financially if she could have stayed in state for, you know, even like a community college or state in state would have been a huge financial impact and it would have saved a lot of money. Right. And yeah. so you really have to weigh out, um, you know, how does this impact? And for us, we had saved um, enough money in our minds to cover about two years for the kids to go to college each. And then they were on their own after that. Well, because of the place that my son went and, you know, the scholarships that he received and just because of the neighboring state and everything, we got about two and a half years that we paid for college for him. My daughter, it worked out to be just over a year because it was a much more expensive college. So what does that mean financially? It meant that she then works her tail off, right, to, to pay um, for the other tuition. And so... That's a huge financial impact for not only us, but for them going out on their own. Mm. That's right. And so, again, it, it's seemingly insignificant decision, although not really. But that decision has a huge impact. And interestingly enough, um, out-of-state tuition, you, you got farther with your son in out-of-state tuition than you did with your mm -hmm. daughter. That's that's interesting but it goes back to kind of knowing right doing your research mm -hmm. understanding what the costs are that sort of thing i know that i had a perspective shift 
years ago about um, something that's a, a little bit more cultural, but it's one of those things where a life decision has a huge financial impact. And that is, I was working with a lot of Latino families um, down in like the South Florida area. They started kind of referring me to one another. And as I started to learn about each of them and, and their, the makeup was different from family to family, but there seemed to be a constant thread of maybe it was cultural, but it was also eye-opening. And that is um, as, as I would work with parents who had like teenage children or young adult children, um, we would kind of talk about like the household income and the household expenses and, and that sort of thing. And um, what I learned was it was ingrained in the Latino culture that children stay home until they are married, period, end of story. There's none of this like you're 18, you've graduated high school, you're out on your own. So whether they had a 23-year-old living at home, a 31-year-old living at home, like it didn't much matter. It was this constant idea of, or consistent idea throughout these Latino families that our children stay at home until they are married. And it was just, it, it helped me to understand perspective of like creating generational wealth, because what they were doing is they wanted to help their children who you know, a 23 year old wasn't these, these children were not sitting at home playing video games all day. They were out working, doing the things that they're responsible for doing. And they were contributing to the household in one way or another, whether that was financially and or through different responsibilities or whatever, but they were out productive members of society who were almost, I won't, I want to use the word force for dramatic effect, but it's not like they were forced to stay home, but they were kind of forced to stay home because it was the best financial decision, right? Like where kids might want to break away and have that independence. Or I grew up in a household where it was like kind of expected that by the time you were 18, you were going to go do your own thing. Um, these, these kids are given a better financial start because in their culture, it's like, no, 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 like you're going to stay home. You're going to do these things until you're married, until you, and at that point you'll go. And, and now you have all these years to save money up to go get a place and buy a place when the time comes um, and, and to do other things that um, not every 23 or 29 or 31, 31 year old can do because maybe they've been out on their own and they've had all these other financial responsibilities. So it was a, it was a large shift in my perspective on whether or not to kind of kick kids out of the house. Let's just put it that way. I, I was basically wondering, when are you going to kick these kids out of their ho the house? And they're like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And here's why. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest, you know, the first time I heard this, <clears throat> a couple of thoughts went through my mind. First thought was, and this was, this is honest to goodness truth. The first thought was then I would need some major guardrails or I would need some major um, um, shifts for all of us to put in, you know, like, okay, this is how this is going to work. Because I know so many people 
don't have good money habits to start off with. And so what are they then passing along to their children, right? That, that kind of keep them. So generational wealth was not the first word that came to mind when I heard this. And, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm not, not for that culture, not for the Latino culture, but just in general, when I hear, you know, that that's the first thing that comes to mind is that so many of us didn't know how to handle our money, right? I know my parents didn't necessarily, and, and, you know, I could go on that I didn't want to stay and I'm glad I didn't because boy, I wouldn't have maybe picked up on things that would have helped me build my own wealth, right? And I, I, because they didn't know how to do it. But I love hearing this perspective of, then let's work so we can make it, so we can build generational wealth, so that we can help you get, I don't want to use the words in a better place, but maybe, maybe it's not as much of a struggle, right? To, to get these things, right? Maybe because we're all working together in our household to, to make the, help the next generation get, um, um, build their wealth, right? And, and get to mm -hmm. different places, maybe quicker, you know, maybe with less, less struggle. And so I think there's, there's a lot to be said in here. And it's not an area that I've explored a lot. Um, and so my experience is very, very minimal. Um, here. So thank you for sharing because it's really opened my eyes. And I've been thinking about this a lot more lately. Yeah. You know, um, I think about you, you're right. It's, it's, it's to reduce the struggle. So I know that um, at least one of the families, it, it, maybe it would have, maybe it was more, but one of the families, they were charging their, uh, their son who was in his early to mid twenties at the time they were charging him like room and board. And I don't remember the number, but let's for argument's sake, let's say it was $500 a month. So they're charging him this $500 a month. That $500 a month was going into a savings account that they were going to give mm -hmm. back to him whenever he does get married and move out as a down payment or a portion of the down payment for a house. So it was very intentional for the very thing that you just said, and that was to reduce the struggle to make, mm -hmm. you know, so it was, they were, it was a forced savings account. He didn't know that, right? He mm -hmm. thought he was contributing to the house, being responsible. So they were instilling that responsibility into him that, you know, you do need to work outside the home. You need to then contribute to the household financially, but all as a gift. Think about the gift of the the gift of responsibility, the gift of accountability, and the gift of dignity that we even talked about. Maybe I didn't talk about it with that particular couple, but I do talk about it with parents who have like teenage and adult children at home that they need dignity in their lives. And so contributing to the household financially gives them that dignity <clears throat> that they might not otherwise have because and, and that has to come with some freedoms right so i remember being at home at 22 years old and my stepfather was like you must be home by this time and i'm like what are you talking about i am an adult right so when you there has to be some freedoms that come with that right to be part of mm -hmm. the dignity like i contribute to the household and as long as i'm responsible and i'm not doing irresponsible things and getting in trouble then I don't have things like a curfew because I'm an adult. But 
I digress. That's neither here nor there. The point was here with a couple being intentional about we want to reduce the struggle that our son's going to have when he does get married and he starts a family. But it's not just about the dollars and then socking those dollars away. It's what are all the life lessons we're teaching him between now and then. And it, it really opened my eyes where, like, I got to tell you. I used to be like, when are you kicking your adult children out? And now <laughs> I, I talk to people who have adult children at home and I'm like, as long as you're doing all these other things that make it beneficial, you hold on to them as long as you possibly can. And you teach them all these really valuable lessons about life and about money management so that when they are finally out there doing it 100% on their own, they, they have the knowledge, skills, and abilities to do it well. Mm-hmm. What I love about what you said, you know, <clears throat> is you were highlighting, I think, kind of the kids side of this, right? Kind of the four savings account and everything. But really, that that hits the parent side, too, because they have to be intentional. They have to be dedicated to be putting this money so they can't be misusing the money that they're receiving, right, from their kids paying the rent. They have to have all of those same skills that they're teaching the kid, Right. Because they mm -hmm. have to be um, intentional about putting that money into that savings account or investing it or however they're they're choosing to use it. Right. And so everybody's contributing to the household. But the, the parents, they have to have those skills to begin with to make this all work. Right. And to make the, the cycle keep going in a way that's beneficial. And and I really love that, that that is building the generational wealth, right? That's, yeah. that's really focusing on, you know, here's what I know, and this is what I'm doing. But even if the kids don't know it in the beginning, they will know it later on. And they'll know this is how my parents were able to make this happen. So now what can I do? What do I need to do for my kids? Right? And that's how the cycle keeps going in a very positive um, manner. And boy, I wish, uh, that's a lesson uh, certainly I could have used. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, obviously, or, or not obviously, I hate when I say obviously. Um, I think it's important to keep in mind that that dynamic doesn't work in every household, right? I mm -hmm. mean, sometimes kids need to kind of break away from their parents or whatever the case may be, right? But when it is possible when there is a healthy home environment. I want to encourage parents to hold on to their kids as long as they can. But I also, if we have some young adults listening to this, I want to encourage you stay at home as long as you can, you know, until um, you meet the person you're going to marry, you get married, and then you start your life with that person. Because it really, I, I, I think about it, this other couple I'm working with right now um, who just had their daughter come back home um, only because she she traveled um, uh, away for her final year of her undergraduate program. So she comes back home. She's tasted a little bit of that freedom. Um, I've been working with her parents for some time. I started working with her while she was away so that she was managing her money well. And now they've been reunited. And, and I'm, I'm singing the same song to them, like, hold on to her as long as you can. You stay at home as long as you can. Because the other thing is, we're living in a, in a day and an age where over the last three years or so, with, with the way the economy has gone, the cost of living is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. 
And the truth is that this young adult simply cannot afford to live out on her own. Now, if she wanted to like live away from her parents, maybe she could get 17 roommates and finally afford to live <laughs> in the area of the country in which she lived. But aside from that, it's like, this is, this is a great opportunity for her to learn some money management skills and learn some money, like the best money management skills that we know of that a lot of us are not necessarily in the place to do. And that is for every dollar that comes in, 10 cents should be going to giving, 25 cents should be going to saving and investing, and then you live off of the remaining uh, 65%, right? But we never got, the, like, we never got to a place early. I, okay, I got to stop saying we never, like, all, <laughs> but I trust you and I, since we left our homes early, we weren't in a place where we could focus on giving, saving, and investing before we could focus on then spending. That we had to focus on spending first, and if there was anything left over, then maybe we got to save, invest, and give. And so here, you know, to talk about generational wealth, I'm working with a young woman who whose plan for 2023 is, how do I max out my 401k at work and my Roth IRA? Like, I would have loved to have been in my early to mid-20s maxing out my 401k at work and my Roth IRA because she has the ability to do that. She has the ability mm -hmm. to focus on those things first and then, you know, the other expenses that she needs to be spending money on. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, an important piece of this, Nino, is just having the conversations, you know, I don't know whether I had the ability, right, to focus on, you know, investing into my future or paying because nobody had the conversation with me. Sure. And so, you know, I, I can't speak to, and, you know, my husband and I have talked about this, you know, what would we tell our younger selves? You know, I, I think <clears throat> I was at a job for a period of time where they had, you know, matching 401ks. I didn't know what that was. And so I didn't contribute because I didn't know what it was. Could I, I would have made it work, right? That little bit, even if it's two or 3% at the time, right? Taken out of my check to contribute to that, to get the match. I would have been able to, I would have figured it out because that's what I do best, right? Like I'm one of those, I'm the survivor. I'm going to, I'll pick up a third and fourth job to make it all work, right? But nobody had those conversations with me. And I think that that's where real generational wealth starts is by having the conversations about how are we planning? You know, what does our money plan look like? What are our essentials in our budget? You know, what is important to us and how do we decide? And that starts with us at home with our kids. And then we have the conversations like, if you stay home for longer, this is then maybe what you'll be able to accomplish, right? This is how, you know, you're helping us, we're helping you, you're helping, you know, yourself and, and really having these conversations. And so, um, you know, I think I'd, I'd push back a little bit on not having the means to, to make some of that happen because I don't know. 
because I didn't have the conversations. Right. And so I, I really love, and I work with a lot of real young people right now. Um, I've got a client that's the same age as my daughter, 20 years old. And I love, love, love working with her because she gets it right. And she's like, Sarah, I want to know, I didn't have these conversations and I want to start having them. Right. Um, and, and that's where some of those, the generational traumas get broken when we say, I'm not going to do it like this anymore because I want to learn to be different so I can then teach the next generation something different. Right. So I'm all about having the conversations and speaking up when you're, it doesn't matter how old your kids are. It doesn't matter if they're still in your home at any age, you can have conversations about money um, with your children and it will be beneficial. Breaking that, you know, breaking that like, Ooh, taboo. We don't talk about it with our kids. I encourage you talk about it. Kids listening out there, go and break the the silence with your parents, right? Start the conversations because I think that, you know, and, and I don't think this is necessarily off topic. This might be a little bit of a tangent, but it helps us with the next generations. It helps us to, to have these conversations and feel comfortable having them. Um, and I think that that, that is a huge financial impact in our lives, right? Is talking about money and not hiding behind it um, and not kind of sweeping it under the rug. So I think that's the ultimate, you know, life decision and how does it impact us financially is starting to talk about it. That's right. Uh, I like that because as we so often do, we like to kind of pull back the curtain. We like to talk about the taboo and, and make it less taboo. You know, um, if you're a parent, you go and engage with your child and have these conversations. If you're the child, go and engage with your parent. Um, I'm working with a, a young man who um, it, it was it was so uh, it, it just kind of made my heart smile. Like, ask him, like, so why are we together? Like, what brought you to me? And he's all like, I just want to get intentional with my money. And I was like, oh, like, he, he used the word of the day. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but as he's learning to be intentional, you know, he's, he's learning all these things he doesn't know about money. And then one of the things that that led to is he's all like, I'm sitting down to have a legacy conversation with my mom this weekend. Mm. Like, Dude, that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, but I want to make sure I cover everything. So what's everything that I need to cover? But it's like, <laughs> that, what, like, he took the initiative. He's like, I'm now going to sit down with the generation before me and talk about these things mm. in an intentional and an important way. And so, yeah, that can, that can go either way. Um, mm-hmm. That also reminds me that, you know, another life decision that um, I've been contemplating myself, but I've been also um, working with an, uh, a person who was an old colleague, but was also a client. Um, and just, it's just a different way of looking at things. And that is, I want people to give some real consideration again, where it's healthy to do so to multi generational households. I think Mm -hmm. this is something that is pretty commonplace in other parts of the world that it is just not common here. But the more I see it, as long as it's done in a healthy environment, the more Mm -hmm. I see it where it is intentional and it is, we're going to have 
the grandparent generation, the parent generation, and the child generation all in one house under one roof on purpose. It is an incredibly it's, it's it's an incredibly beautiful thing. It makes for an incredibly interesting financial impact. Mm. Hmm. You know, that's interesting. I'm just going to jump in real quick because yeah. I know very, very little in this and um, it feels kind of foreign to me um, because, and you know, this is some real talk, some vulnerability coming out right now, but the only time in my family that um, kids lived with their parents is when something bad happened and they couldn't live on their own. Right. It wasn't because it was intentional and it wasn't because it was healthy. And, and so that's what I was raised with. That's what I, I saw and I grew up with. And, and I always said, I will never, once I leave my parents home, I am never going back there. And I was always very proud to say, didn't do it. Right. Didn't do it. I'll raise my hand. I, I, I held true to that. But I never grew up and never saw it happen in a way that was healthy. And so this is very intriguing for me. Yeah, and again, it goes back to something I didn't have a whole lot of perspective in until you know, meeting with certain clients and, and, and learning about kind of their upbringing, um, working with a woman who uh, came to the United States from Singapore and, and telling me a little bit mm. about like how things happen in Singapore. Um, and, and meeting with others um, who are from like uh, a Far East culture and Asian culture um, doesn't mean it doesn't happen in others. But th this concept that it is, it's kind of built in that, it, it, and I don't know how far back it would have had to have happened, but let's say I wanted to implement it. I'm in my 40s. Let's say I wanted, I wanted to start this thing. I'm in my 40s. I have children who are not yet teenagers. One will be a teenager later this year. Uh, God help me. Um, <laughs> and I have a really, um, for the most part, it's not perfect, but I have a healthy relationship with my mother. So let's say I wanted to start this. It would be about like mom's almost at retirement age and to mm -hmm. alleviate some of the financial burden because mom still has a mortgage and a house and all this stuff. And instead of putting mom in a nursing home or anything like that, it's like, what if I purposely brought mom into this household and we made it a multi-generational household, right? We've got the grandparent generation, the parent generation, and the child. And then what would happen is if, if, it, if it's instilled in the family, it would be that you could either do firstborn child or in a lot of cultures, it's firstborn son because the daughter would normally be married off to another son and, and mm. she would go live in that house. So it's, it's, it's not a gender thing. It's just a, it's just a mm -hmm. cultural thing <laughs> um, that if I brought mom here and she lived with us until she passed. And as we age and our daughter was, was married and moved out of the house that by the time my son got married, that it would become his house and mm -hmm. him and his wife would have a family here. We would still live here. We would become the grandparent generation. He'd be the parent generation and that would be the kid's generation. And this just continues on. It just mm -hmm. continues on. 
Now, what it allows is if you have a bigger family, because obviously only one kid gets the house, but it allows financially for earnings to be saved and gifted to the daughter who's married off and moves away or to the second son who doesn't get this home, but mom and dad are able to help him buy a home because at some point the home you're in is completely paid for and you have mm -hmm. all these resources that can then help the family to accomplish things. It is wildly intriguing to me. I don't know how practical it is um, for my family. <clears throat> Mom lives in New York and we live here in Arizona. But what a concept. What a mm -hmm. shift in your financial uh, environment and, and your financial landscape if all of mm -hmm. a sudden making a household multi-generational on purpose and with intent was something that you could accomplish. I think this is a wild concept. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It, it, it feels wild and it feels, you know, maybe um, foreign, uh, you know, maybe foreign to me because um, I wouldn't say I'm, I think that there could be benefits. I think you would, it would have to be the right family. Um, and I, I think that I, it would be something that I would explore, you know, like to learn more about and how it would work in today's world, because it, it feels like a, dare I say, like an old concept, you know, um, um, many years ago, I could see where it would work potentially easier. I could be completely wrong on that. It's just, you know, from where I'm looking at things, but it's, uh, I can see where there can be a lot of benefits to it. Um, if the right, again, it's a healthy environment, right? And, and, um, everybody's contributing and, and, um, they've got the same values, right? It's, um, kind of an interesting, yeah, this is a, a wild, interesting topic. Yeah. And I won't, I won't spend too much more time kind of, uh, peeling back the, the layers of it, but to your point, there's so many different variables that would have to, to be in place and would have to go well. But imagine after a generation or two, when it's just instilled, mm -hmm. that this is just what we do, right? It, it's a hard concept to conceptualize when you think about all of the bad relationships that you might have, mm -hmm. either you know with parents or with children <clears throat> or just the family dynamics, the way they are here in the United States, because we have perpetuated this idea that by the time you're 18, 19, 20, you're off on your own. You're figuring life out for yourself. You're pulling yourself up by your bootstraps where people who come to this country from other countries are like, wait, 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 wait. you do what now? You're like pushing <laughs> kids out of the house. Like these are your children. Like, what are you talking about? And so it would take a generation or two to kind of just establish it, but then it would just be what is. Right? It just would be, and and when you know that that's what is, I would imagine, I, I don't have first-hand experience with this, but I would imagine that sort of intentionality would flow through everything that happens in a day-to-day -to, -day to keep relationships healthy and keep the environment around everybody happy. And, you know, it doesn't mean it's not going to be without its its trials and tribulations. You know, I will share real quickly the former colleague and client of mine who um, who had recently done this. 
Um, she's of retirement age and her, um, her daughter invited her to come and, and be a living grandma and help to, um, or at least be around to, uh, see her grandson grow and all those different things. And, and so, you know, there's an adjustment for sure, because my colleague was independent and those two parents were independent. And now you're bringing two independent forces together. And not that they've become dependent on one another. They've had healthy mm -hmm. conversations about boundaries and who's to do what and, and when can grandma interject and when is it, you know, and, you know, they just, they really took the time to kind of map it all out and plan it mm. to say, we want to do something different here. Right. We don't want mom struggling in retirement age, being independent, financially independent and and otherwise. So we want to do something different with that. And they just they created this multi-generational household. Um, and, and it's it's wildly intriguing, wildly mm. intriguing. And it shifts that financial landscape. It's so huge, right? Now my former colleague doesn't have to like worry about her fixed social security income. Like she can just live and she gets to be a full-time grandma to her grandson. Mm -hmm. I, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's intriguing. Uh, I imagine it's not for everybody, but I would imagine if it was just the way we did things, then it would just be the way we did things. Or if people were, we're okay with just looking and saying, this is what works for us, right? Really looking and saying, this is what works for us. And everybody else keeping their opinions to themselves, <laughs> right? Right. Because sometimes, you know, that's, that's part of it. You know, we, we, I think there's some fear that comes when we go to make some of these decisions, right? Because we get kind of pushback from other people. And, and um, if you really, take the time to work through this and have the conversations that need to be had with the people. I think it can be really beneficial. Um, and I, I would hope and wish that if this is you listening out there, that you have the conversations, um, and you do what works best for you. Right. And, um, um, leave kind of the noise, leave that out. Right. Yep. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what what works for one person doesn't work for everybody else. And if it works for you, that's mm -hmm. all that matters. Um, yeah, I got to tell you, I've, I've been playing with the idea. Um, I, the clients that I have who are already in a position, like um, like the couple who has the, um, the daughter who's in her um, early to mid-20s. I kind of floated this by them where it's all like, maybe you don't just hold on to her as long as you can. She's your only child and you're going to pass on assets to her anyway. What if you passed assets onto her this way intentionally? And they're like, we had never even thought about it. Right. So now mm -hmm. they just get to think about it and they get to talk about it and they get to like explore it as an idea. Who knows? But it's, it, it's so wildly interesting. So I wanted to make sure that mm -hmm. we shared it with our listeners. Yeah, I love it. Another good conversation, right? And and it may be a good fit for people. And maybe you hadn't even heard of the concept before. And again, that's why this is so important to be talking about these things. Because there are options out there that I'm sure 
most of our listeners didn't even know that that they had, right? And it might not right. be the right one, but if you don't know that it's even an option, you can't say this isn't for me until you explore it. That's right. Exactly. So. Awesome. Another great conversation filled with all sorts of new perspective. I want to remind our listeners that they can visit uh, newmoneyhabits.com and find additional tools and resources there to help them create a plan, create a good plan. But if you're looking for, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're looking for a different perspective, I really encourage you to go to the show notes and schedule time to sit down with either Sarah or myself. That free, that first session is free. So connect with us and let's talk about your situation and what's unique to, um, you know, your financial uh, landscape so that we can come up with a plan that works for you. And with that being said, we will continue our conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our hosts by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.